into our text this morning. Because you see, we're, we're continuing our series on, on B, a look at Philippians. Who has God created, called, and worked us to be? We're called to be a people of prayer. We will pray for the Tufts family. I'm confident of that because I know you. I know you're a praying people. And if you're not, start. We should be a thankful people. We're thankful for how God has brought the Tufts family to us. We're thankful for how God has brought us to where we are today. But as we look at this text, I want you to read carefully the words as I uh, read them to you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Paul is writing to a church, a church that he planted in Philippi, remember? It's about a 10-year-old church now. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with what? With joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And the verse we're going to look at today is so paramount for all of us as we go together toward where the Lord has. Because we are being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When we think about the idea of transition in a church, it can be scary. Well, what are we going to do? I don't have all the answers for you today. I know that God has led Pastor Dan and Gita and Lucas back to America, and I celebrate with them. And at the same time, I mourn with them because it's a loss for us. We love them, their family. We love having Pastor Dan and Gita on our team, and it's been a blessing to have them. But you know what? I am fully confident that wherever we go, we will go where the Lord has laid out for us to go. Not just the Tufts family, but AIC as well. Why? Because his scriptures, God's word, is full of promises that we can rest in, that we can trust, knowing that he's got this. This morning we're going to look at a key facet, and I don't want to look at it lightly because it's a, it's a term that honestly needs a lot more attention than we're going to give in just a, a few brief moments but some of you heard it, have heard it in churches, and I want to introduce it to you. And I left you white space at the, be- at the top and at the very bottom of your sermon notes today. And I didn't tell you what to write. There's no blanks because it's just three words that I want you to write. Those three words are this, God is sovereign. Okay? Those are big words. And if you don't know how to spell sovereign, that's okay. I'm going to tell you how. Okay? S-O-V-E. Got that part? S-O-V-E. Reign, R-E-I-G-N. You need to know the part that says reign. Because a sovereign God is a God that reigns in all circumstances, all situations, and in all times. That's my God, and that's your God, and that's the God of Alliance International Church today, yesterday, and forever. Okay? God is in control. He's in control when he brought a young pastor and his wife to us to be with us for 18 months to help us focus on discipleship. He's in control when we deal with suffering and heartache and pain and loss and with joy and with celebration. Notice the candle is lit. You know what that means? That means I believe, I can't even remember, I think it was Rosal came up to me and said, my friend came to Jesus Christ. Can we light the candle today? And I was like, of course. We celebrate, and we're not doing very well at this, we celebrate that (laughs) we're getting there. You see, God is at work if we just open our eyes and look around. He's at work in the situations that bring loss. 
And that's not always easy to deal with. He's at work in the situations that bring joy, joy, calling those that were lost into his fold, bringing the sheep back into their pasture with him. That is who God is. And we can rest in him confident that he's got us right where he wants us. Now, I want to start by talking about posture today. Because if you look, there's a few different things you'll notice about people. When they walk, you can learn a lot by what kind of person you're looking at, right? If a per- Go over to Central. Central's a great place because in Central, you can visit all sorts of people. If you see a high-powered type A banker type, they have a very specific walk that says, I'm king of the world, right? Or queen, right? It's a very, it's, it's high, it's proud, it's get out of my way, I'm who matters, I'm it. Their posture is one of great confidence. If you look for the PA that works for them, their posture might be a little bit more sunken because they've had to work with that ego for however long, right? Now, not all bankers are like that. Please don't misunderstand. I love bankers, some of them. And, um, But you see that, you see people that don't want to make eye contact because of whatever's gone on in their life, it's uncomfortable. But then you see that person that just loves life so much that they can't take their eyes off you and you're like, what, is there something wrong with me? Because we're not used to that. But you see here, Paul introduces us to a posture of confidence that isn't like the type A banker, but that is one that's got this confidence about them that can look at the very heart of God through Jesus Christ as Savior and say, I am confident of this. What's it mean to be confident in him? Well, I want to look at that carefully today. And it's pretty amazing. You see, when we start with, we're told this, blessed This is from Jeremiah, a prophet that didn't get to say many nice things. He was the the mourning prophet. There was a lot of loss, a lot of prophecy of sadness, of doom and destruction, and rightfully so. The people continue to disobey God. But there's a pause here in which he says, blessed is the man, and the woman can be included here as well, who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So we realize right off the bat that if we want to have true confidence, it's not in ourselves. You are all amazing people. We've got PhDs out there. We've got successful teachers. We've got wonderful servants of God in so many different ways and of all different uh, walks of life. Yet we shouldn't base our confidence in what we've accomplished. We should base our, our identity, our confidence in what's been accomplished in us through the blood of Christ that we just celebrated. You realize that? Our confidence isn't in ourselves. Our confidence is in him. How do I know this? Well, I want you to think about a few things that go into this that Paul uh, seemingly is, is referring to as he talks about confidence. First, we can be confident in the work God does for us. You see, we couldn't save ourselves, could we? For it is by grace through faith we have been saved not by ourselves, okay? We have confidence 
that God has made a way for us through his son, Jesus Christ, that we might have eternal life, all who believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Our confidence is secure in him who has done the work for us, who's brought us back into his fold and said, I love you, I am for you, I have a place for you, and I'm getting it ready. Our salvation is secure in him. We can rest knowing that the circumstances of these days don't get in the way of the plans God has for us. I can't even imagine in the 200 or so stories that are out in this room right now, all the different things you might be dealing with today. But this I know. If you've believed on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your salvation is secure and he's got you and he won't let you go. He will get you through this. No matter what, he's with you. But then he continues because not only is he with you, have you been saved, but the work he does in us is makes us more like his son, Jesus Christ. It's called sanctification. And it's this amazing work that as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we become like him. And I've talked about this before. And it's pretty simple. When you spend a lot of time with somebody focusing on them, you start to get like them. Think about a marriage for a second. When you first meet, you've got your own different habits and different ways of doing things and different styles. Then over time, those kind of get merged into one sort of blob where you sort of go the same way together and you realize that which way the toilet paper hangs on the roll isn't as important as you thought it was, or all these other differences, we start to just go together. Even more as we learn to trust in the fullness of the work of God in our lives through the person of Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we become like his son. I pray that we look more like him today than we did yesterday. Because that means we're spending time here. We're growing together. We're not just listening to a sermon on a Sunday and then going home and forgetting about what God is up to. God is at work in us. And he's already done it for us. And then there's one other thing. If we're truly walking with God... We see what he does in us, for us, and then through us by how we serve. You want to know my definition of a healthy church? It's really simple. When I look out in a congregation and I see a bunch of people that are out doing themselves out of love for God and service for one another. It's biblical. When we get so excited about not being about ourselves that we can't help serve one another out of Christ-like love and then begin caring for the poor, the widows, the orphans, the least of these, and we begin to say, Lord, here's my life, take it and send me wherever you want me to go, whether it be some small town in Indiana, which most of us don't know where it is and that's okay, or whether it be next door to that neighbor that needs the love of Jesus, we begin serving out of love for God because our confidence is in him. We don't have to be afraid of what someone might respond with because we're serving those people out of love for Christ and our identity is wrapped in him. Our confidence is in him. It's not about us. Don't place any confidence in yourself except for the resurrected Jesus Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know what I'm confident in? 
that he's going to finish the work he started. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But I am not afraid of what this world may throw at me. Yeah, there have been times. I shared, I think it was with our community group or one of the groups I was talking to, I can't even remember, about when I was in the hospital in March or April earlier this year and it got to a point where I came to the end of my rope and I couldn't be thankful anymore. I was just mad and I was frustrated and I was scared and I wanted all the answers. And it was at that point that I realized as I cried out to God, which is what I should have done first, that the peace of God that transcends all understanding just overtook me. And I remember thinking, he's got me right where he wants me. I'm not happy, but I'm full of joy because he's at work. And I needed to learn that lesson. I don't know if that was why I had to be in the hospital for two weeks. That's up to the Lord. He can tell me later. But I learned that in all times, our hearts can be oriented toward the one who has saved us, the one that continues to make us like Christ, and the one that empowers us to serve one another out of love for him. When we look at that, we realize that our confidence is in one way bigger than our circumstance. And our posture begins to get a little straighter. We begin to walk with a little more strength and courage, not in ourselves, but in God who will not fail. My God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches, and he is rich. That's our God and our King. And we see that we can be confident in him. We can rest in him. We can find joy and thanksgiving in him. And as those things happen, we see him at work. And it's amazing. It is so simple. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you is going to finish it. But first, we've got to start with the he who began a good work in you. And there's kind of two schools of thought for what Paul was getting at here. And I think both are important for us to think through today. The, the first is simple. The first is when you were saved, when Christ brought you back to himself, when you were called back to him, for it is by grace, the grace of God, you have been saved through faith when you are invited to exercise that faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. When we were brought in, we couldn't save ourselves. Someone had to do that for us. A pure and spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, had to make the way for us to be saved. We can't save ourselves. And so that good work that was begun in us, that salvation will be carried on to completion at what we call glorification. When our bodies are restored to the way they were always meant to be, where there is no more death, no more tears, no more sadness, and we are in eternity with Jesus Christ. He has returned. He has restored this world to what it was meant to be, and we enjoy life in such a bigger way than we can imagine right now. He who began a good work in you will carry it on. It's going to keep going and it will be completed at the day of Christ Jesus. And while it continues on, we are called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling in, in chapter 2. 
We're called to continue to grow to be more like Jesus Christ. We are called to remember that our righteousness is from God. It's not ourselves. We've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And our faith in Jesus guides us to himself. And then we can see that God is at work all around us because there's a second part of that. Not only has he saved us from ourselves and called us back to himself, eventually we will be called home to glory and I can't wait. But while we're here, Paul was also talking about partnership, was he not? Yeah, and in so doing... There was one church above all others that supported the work of the gospel all over the place through church planning and the work of Paul. And that was the church in Philippi. Were they the wealthiest church? Not that we know of, but they were with him. They not only cared about growing their little local body of believers, but they were supporting Paul and his, his missions efforts wherever God was leading him. And this church was growing in their partnership and they were supporting him. And that meant financial support. They, twice we read, they sent him funds to continue on the work while they continued to work in Philippi. And that's what we are to do. The same way. We're to look for ways to support what God is already doing and getting involved. Uh, this morning we have with us Reverend William Long and Heather uh, Hoy. Heather is uh, an AGS missionary delegate. She is excited to eventually end up hopefully in Cambodia serving there. And we're excited to walk with her. You'll start seeing her in April. Uh, Heather, would you stand up for a second? This is Heather. Starting, Yeah. God is at work in Heather's life and we're invited to walk alongside her. So starting in April, she's going to be with us every Sunday and we're going to get to know her, see her heart for the Lord and we're going to walk with her in this journey as we support Alliance Global Serve. Lavina Lee, we pray for her to head back inland in a couple weeks' time, right after Chinese New Year, that God will further his message to where God has called her. We think of Dan and Linda Reeves. We think of Joyce and Henri Samatu. We think of uh, uh, the Davids in the Philippines and uh, many others that I'm not thinking of right now. God is at work and we get the chance to partner with them, not just through finances, that's important, don't get me wrong, but also through prayer, through encouragement, through support, through love. We can support Pastor Dan and Gita as they make their transition. We can be praying right now for Joyce and especially Henri as he's driving his truck across the highway of Congo. And if you've followed their updates, that highway is a river. <laughs> and they are struggling. And it takes three to five, I think, days to make it through where they're going for 18 hours a day. We need to pray with Henri that God would strengthen him for that journey and provide safe journey along the way. We can do that. We are partners in the gospel. Our salvation is secure through the blood of Jesus Christ. And our work is ongoing while we are here for the glory of God the Father through his son Jesus. Amen? God's at work. How do I know? The candle is lit today. How do I know? I have watched as Pastor Dan and Gita have sought the Lord and how he has miraculously led them to Grace College in an amazing way. How do I know God's at work? Because I've got the scriptures as well. And when you think about it, I want you to think about some stories of the sovereignty of God ruling in lives that he has no business ruling over. So let's start with Moses for a second. 
God called Moses and he did so in a weird way. And Moses says, I'm not good enough. I can't speak. Not me. What do we know about Moses? Well, let my people go. God used him miraculously and abundantly in spite of Moses himself. Because it was God at work, not Moses and all his awesomeness. Even down to the smallest detail, God worked out the plan. Let's think of Queen Esther, shall we? We're likely going to look at her this fall. But here was a woman, a Jewish woman, that had no business becoming queen. God raised her up, provided just such a way at just such a time, and in so doing, saved his people for his glory. And it was about him. We think about Joshua. This is a great one because this tests your faith. Because remember, it is by grace through faith. We have to exercise the faith saying, God, I know you're at work. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. And it sometimes sounds kind of silly. Because let me tell you about this. They got to the promised land. Okay, Moses did the hard work. They crossed the Jordan. It's time to go. And they show up and there's this big wall around the city. So I'm thinking shovels, cannons, and the like, right? Let's go get them. Let's break down that wall. Now, God tells Joshua, okay, get all the people together and walk around the city once a day. Just walk and blow some trumpets, okay? Just trust me. So literally, once a day for six days, they walked around a city wall and some trumpets blew. That does not sound at all like a miraculous work of God to me. That sounds like a waste of time. Now, I love the trumpet. Trust me, Richard, I I don't want to offend in any way. But I do not think that unless you are a miraculously loud trumpet player, you're going to knock down even a stone, let alone a whole wall. Then they get to the seventh day and God says, okay, on the seventh day, walk around seven times, get a workout. Because, you know, the first six times weren't enough. Let's do it seven. And on the seventh, they shout to the Lord. The trumpets are blown. And Joshua knocks down the walls, right? No, God does. God knocks down the walls. The city, the promised land is given for God's glory, not our own. And God works. How does a trumpet knock down a wall? You got me, but God. He works. He's at work. Think about King David. You've got a bunch of the best soldiers in all the land looking at Goliath saying, not me. This one ain't me. You got a little shepherd boy walks up and says, I got this. And Saul, being the good king of great faith, wants to put him in as much armor as possible. (laughs) David tries it on and probably looked like me in a giant's armor. Not well takes it off, walks over to riverbed, gets some stones, needs one. Now, David, great with a slingshot. God, even better. One stone, one giant, one king. A man after God's own heart, just doing what God says. God is at work. I've heard some of your stories of how you've said, God, here I am. I'll go where you want me. I'll step out of my comfort zone and trust you. You think of Peter, a loudmouth fisherman, ceremonially unclean, yet God used him when when he preached, thousands came to Jesus. I have not yet had that privilege. But Peter was obedient to the Lord and God 
worked. God is at work and he hasn't stopped being at work. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. We can't work on our own. We can't save people on our own, but we can welcome people into the work of God and show them the way and invite them to believe on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and say his life is way better than any life you can live. That's who God is, and he's got a plan, and it's amazing. You know the fourfold gospel, God loves you and has a plan for you, right? But not only that, and this is the one that can be difficult for us at times. Because when we get in the midst of circumstances that are beyond our control, it is hard for us to see that God finishes what what he starts. When there is suffering, it is hard for us to see that God can be glorified through the pain and suffering of one that we love. But he's God. When there is loss, it can be hard to trust God knowing how he's going to redeem a situation that doesn't make any sense to us. But he's God. When we're having a great time and life is easy because everything is going our way, it's easy to forget that this isn't the end of the story, that this isn't all we're looking for, that there's more. But he's God. He invites us for so much more than just this. You get the idea, whether it's discouragement, whether it's hurt, whether it's uncertainty, whether it's fun, whether it's easy, God continues to shape us and lead us toward more in him for eternity. We can't get so stuck wherever we are that we forget that God is at work. We must remember that he always finishes what he started. When he's called us into his realm, he says, I'm not going to lose you. He says, there will be no more tears for us. So if you're suffering, he promises you will be healed. If you've been hurt, he promises you there'll be no more tears. If you think this is all there is in this world, he said, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's the Mike Rose translation. He says, just imagine streets of gold beyond a glassy sea. I have prepared a place for you that is beyond your wildest imagination. And I will call you to that glory to which you bring glory to my name. It's all about me. God will finish what he's started. Why can I be confident and sad at the same time? Sad that Pastor Dan and Gita and Lucas are leaving? Because I am confident that God is in no way, shape, or form done with Alliance International Church or the Tupps family. He's got us right where he wants us. And he'll figure it out. I have no doubt of that. Maybe he'll raise you up and get you more involved because of the the work that needs to be done in AIC. Maybe he will use you to encourage and strengthen the Tupps as they prepare for the transition. But I know he'll work. And I know he's not done with us. And he will carry us on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And when Christ Jesus returns, we will rejoice. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. Amen. That is why we know that God is sovereign. Because he's always been at work. 
He continues to work and he will finish the job he started. But there are times that we need to rest in that confidence and we need to remind ourselves of the promises of God, just as David did. And this is David in a tough time and he's saying, the Lord will fulfill his purpose, his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, it endures. Remember, we learned this last week. Your love, O Lord, what? Endures forever. In the good times, in the bad times, in the heartbreak, in the joy, your love, O Lord, endures forever. He does not abandon the work of his hands. Everything he does is with purpose. We don't always understand it, but David was confident. David knew God was to be trusted. He was confident that the Lord would fulfill his purpose for David. Can we say the same? Is our posture one of confidence in God? There's a hymn that I love that I think helps us put into perspective what it means to trust in God, to put our confidence, our faith, and our hope in him. Some of you may have heard the hymn. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. You know, if you wondered what the words are, some of them are at the bottom of your sermon notes. That's on purpose. But I'd like you to watch and listen, not just to uh, this guy whose name I suddenly forget, but beyond that, John Piper tells the story of part of how this song was written. And as you listen, I'm going to keep talking until these sirens go by because it'll be hard to hear the song with the sirens. But as you listen, I want you to consider, could you have written a song like It Is Well With My Soul when these things were going on in your life? the great Chicago fire virtually ruined Horatio Spafford. It was almost the biggest trial of his life, but not the biggest. Two years later, 1873, he puts his wife and his four daughters on a ship to sail for England, and the ship runs into another ship and sinks very quickly, and all four girls died, and his wife barely escapes. He hears about the accident and he receives a telegram from his wife, saved, alone. He gets on a ship and heads to be with his grieving wife. And as he passes over the part of the ocean where the girls went down and were at the bottom, he wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, or sorrows like sea billows roll. And you can hear the point. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot. You have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So the question is, how could it be well? And he goes on in the song and he talks about, let this blessed assurance control that God has regarded my helpless estate and Christ has shed his own blood for my soul. He knew Christ loved him. He saw it in the cross. And when he gets to the end, he has Christ coming back with a great triumph not to judge him, 
but to save him and to raise his daughters from the dead. So it is well with my soul. No soul quite gets it in terms of its cadence and its tune and especially its words. It doesn't get any better than sorrowful yet always rejoicing through it is well, it is well with my soul. I think it would be awfully difficult to be traveling by boat over the place where my four children had been killed and lost. After losing a fortune, he was a very successful man. But Spafford not only wrote these words, it is well with my soul, he went on to travel with D.L. Moody and support him and know even more loss later on. But that's not the whole story. You see, the man that wrote the tune, it is well with my soul, Philip Bliss, was his name, 101 years before I was born. He was putting to music these words. And as he was doing that, it was the name, he named the tune itself, Ville de Harve, uh, the name of the ship that took Spafford's four daughters. But one month after he wrote the tune, Bliss II knew loss. Where I grew up in Ashtabula County, Ohio, Uh, there's a a series of train lines. And in one of those train lines, uh, what happened, the train passed over a trestle near Ashtabula, the bridge collapsed, and the passengers were tossed to and far. Now, Philip was able to escape through a window, but his wife was not. As he went back to free his wife, the fire broke out through the wooden cars, and both were burned beyond recognition and taken. But yet God, who'd started the good work in them, were carried on to completion until the glorification is complete. I don't believe for a moment Philip Bliss regretted writing those words, it is well with my soul. I don't believe for a moment Horatio Spafford doubted that God would get him where he took him. Was it always easy? No. Am I telling you life will always be easy? No, I'm not. I'm telling you that you can be confident in the work of God and that he will finish what he started. That I know to be true because God's words tell me it's true. And because I have seen it time and again through history, through your lives, through the transforming power of the greatness of God, that he is at work and we can trust and rest in him. And it is well with my soul. We're going to close this morning by singing those words together. So I'll have the worship team come up. And I pray that you know full well 
that you can be confident in God, that he is working all things for his good and that he will finish what he started. Lord, I thank you for your word. May we trust in you. Amen.